on this All Saints Day, let's stand in celebration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome Jesus. But all who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner? Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, Half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated. Well, I'm very low church, but I didn't mind the Longhorn liturgy. (laughs) It's uh, wonderful to be back at Highland. to hear this good music and uh, see these wonderful people on the staff and your pastor, whom I love dearly. Uh, whenever I come to Highland, I get a spurt of energy and courage and uh, the stirring of the spirit. And uh, the return of your pastor after a sabbatical is like one of the saints coming back to be with the saints at Highland. This uh, reading that is in the lectionary from Habakkuk reads like it was written yesterday about a world that is falling apart, and in that first chapter, the poet says, violence and you will not save us, destruction and violence and strife and contention and justice never prevails. The words just tumble out about deathliness. It sounds like our world, we got violence, we got drones, we got torture, we got killings every day, we got predatory sex in families, we got war against the poor, we got the big ones eating the little ones. And we're always left about how to respond to this culture of violence, whether to join it or to respond with counterviolence or to put the wagons in a circle, or to end in despair? It's a big question for us in faith. But the second chapter of Habakkuk, the poet says, wait for the vision. The vision will be about the end. It will be how we're going to finish, 
And when you get the vision, write it large. Write it on a billboard so that marathon runners can see it as they pass by. Wait for it because it will not delay. And then he adds this verse that became so important to Luther's Reformation. The righteous will live by trust in the vision. So it occurred to me that this vision is the main business of the church. It is the church's business to wait and watch for the vision. Ever since the exodus, we have had a vision of emancipation for all people. Ever since the prophets, we have had a vision of beating swords into plowshares and drones into pruning hooks. A little emendation there. Since the Torah, we've had a vision of mercy and generosity for widows and orphans and immigrants. And we have had a promise of a new covenant and a new temple and a new Jerusalem. And then Jesus came and he performed the vision that the blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed. The lame walk, the dead are raised, the poor have their debts canceled. And in our own time, it all came down to Martin Luther King, I have a dream. King dreamed about a neighborhood. He dreamed about justice for blacks and whites. And we dream of justice for men and women. We dream of justice for gays and straights. We dream of well-being for Christians and Muslims and citizens and immigrants because God has got the whole world in God's hands. And if you are like me, it is always a contest between the force of violence and the alternative of vision. And I spend my days trying to adjudicate that. And the poet says, wait and watch. And it occurred to me on this All Saints Sunday that saints have two tasks to which they invite the rest of us. Their first task is to get the vision. And I think that saints now must work out a vision of a new economy that is not based on greed, but is based on generosity. Saints now must imagine a new international order that is not dominated by U.S. military. Saints now must imagine a church that is not grounded in certitude but in risk. Saints must imagine our neighborhoods not controlled by fear but with a welcome and a solidarity. Saints must imagine a new politics that is not based on money but on citizen participation, and such imagining requires force and courage and defiance of violence. But the second task for saints is to embody the vision, to live out in a way that is not filled with anxiety and greed and fear and violence, Because saints are people who do not give in, who simply refuse. 
So maybe you know the story of this little French village of La Chambeau, which during the Second World War, the Reformed pastor organized the whole village to hide Jews. And they came for the pastor, the Gestapo came for the pastor, and he and his wife invited the Gestapo in for lunch first, and then they took him away. But he organized the camp so vigorously that they finally had to let him go. And later on, they made a documentary of La Chambeau, and they interviewed these people who had hid Jews, and they asked, why did you hide Jews? And they were very inarticulate. They just shrugged their shoulder, and they said, well, that, that's, that's what we do. That's, that's who we are. Living out the vision is natural for the community of the baptized. It is in our baptismal DNA to refuse the culture of violence and to run risks for alternatives. That's what the church does. So then I had this narrative of Zacchaeus that was for assigned, that was assigned today. And I looked about violence and vision in the narrative of Zacchaeus. And it occurred to me that Zacchaeus was a man of legal violence. He was a chief tax collector, which meant he had a contract with the Roman Empire that he could collect as much taxes as he could squeeze out of people. And the text says he was very rich. He must have squeezed a lot of people to his advantage. It's kind of top-down violence like we are seeing everywhere in our culture. But he must have had an itch because he wanted to see Jesus. But while he was seeing Jesus, Jesus saw him. And Jesus said, come down, I want to eat at your house. And when I go into your house, I will change your house. And I want to eat at your table, and when I eat at your table, I will change your food. I will change your life. And Zacchaeus must have thought, I don't think this is going to work. And Jesus said, oh, it'll work because you, take a deep breath, you are a son of Abraham. And Zacchaeus must have jerked his head. You mean that I carry the promises of God from the book of Genesis in which all things are possible? Yes, I mean that. You mean I don't have to be an agent of violence? Yes, I mean that. You mean I am not fated and locked in to that culture of greed? Yes, I mean that. So Jesus visioned Zacchaeus out beyond his habits of violence. Because he had been revisioned, he was a revised self, he responded as a new self, and he said to Jesus, I'll give half of what I've got away, and if, 
He said, if I have cheated. He should have said, because I have cheated, I will repay fourfold. So Zacchaeus is a perfect narration of the truth of Habakkuk. He knows the habits of violence in which we are all implicated. He receives a vision that emancipates him from the habits of violence. And he lives it out with new freedom and new generosity that permits neighborly justice. It's the story of his life. It's the story of his life because Jesus cut in the middle of it and opened everything up. And the reason we gather to listen to that story is that we discover in the hearing of it, it's not just a story about Zacchaeus. It turns out that it is our story because we are habituated in a culture of violence and we desperately want to see Jesus. And while we are trying to see Jesus, Jesus sees us. And Jesus says to us, as Jesus said to Zacchaeus, no, 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 no. Let me tell you who you really are. You really are a child of Abraham. You really are baptized into the promises of God. And you now can act with liberty according to your true self to be generous and run risks outside the powerful circle of fear. I don't know any better thing to say to you today or to me that an alternative way to be in the world is now offered to us at this table. It's kind of inconvenient. It requires courage. It requires resolve. It requires intentionality. But it's possible. So we read this little snippet from Psalm 119, which, as you know, goes on and on and on. And I thought maybe this, these verses from 119 belong on the lips of Zacchaeus as he began to inhale his new identity. This is what the psalmist says. I am small and despised. Anybody here know about that? Yet, I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. Trouble and anguish have come upon me, but your commandments are my delight. Your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding in order that I may live. If I don't have the guidance of the Torah... I'm going to die. Well, all of us know about being small and despised in some dimension of our life. But all of us are invited into this zone of glad well-being that is wrought through obedience. And that means that we have work to do which is to defy the culture of violence. It is the bet of our baptism 
that an alternative life is possible. And that is very good news for all of us. Amen.